What's going on guys? It's Nick here, back with another video. We've got an epic game tonight between the Chargers and the Chiefs, and a pretty good slate of games on Sunday and Monday as well. We learned a lot after one week of football, so it should be fun. Break things down, look at every matchup this week. I'll be going over running backs today, wide receivers tomorrow. So sit back, hit the like button, and let's hop into things now. We'll start off with the Thursday night game, uh, and I'll do all positions since obviously we can't go over it tomorrow and already have been played so we've got chargers at chiefs massive 54 and a half point total chiefs four and a half point home favorites for the running backs this one's pretty easy start austin eckler start clyde um no other running back on the chargers is viable they've been trying to figure out who the running back two is for a long time haven't figured that out yet just start austin eckler um, I think Clyde, he's not like a slam dunk. I mean, I guess it's possible that maybe you went running back, running back, and you've got two very clear running backs ahead of him, but he's a great play at running back too. His opportunity share numbers don't look elite after one week because of the blowout. So the blowout really skewed things there. He was the very clear lead back for Kansas City uh, before they got up by like 30 points, and they let Pacheco kind of run the ball in the fourth quarter, but it, it was all Clyde. Like Clyde's clearly their running back one. He's a great play this week. Again, Play Clyde, play Eckler, don't play any running backs, other running backs in this game. For wide receivers, should be a high-scoring game. And so whenever you have a decision that's close between two players, you look at it in like rankings, projections, they're very, very close. You want to lean towards the one in the higher total game. So this one being the highest total of the week, one of the highest totals we're going to see all season. If you've got two players, lean towards one in this game. I would definitely start Juju. I would definitely start Mike Williams. Both are the lead wide receivers for their respective teams. And since Keenan Allen, at least I'm expecting to be out this week, I'd be pretty surprised if he played. Um, since he's going to be out, you know, Mike Williams is a very, very massive ceiling. He should be a large part of their game plan. So play those two. My next player behind these two is probably Palmer. I think he's flex viable. But I'm not expecting him to go out there and get like double-digit targets. Like I'm expecting around five to seven targets. What he does with those will a little bit come down to randomness. But I think a wide receiver in this game environment, you know, catching passes from Justin Herbert, getting five to seven targets, is someone that you could legitimately play as maybe your second flex. Maybe if you're only in the league with two running back, two wide receiver, one flex, maybe he doesn't really sneak into there. But if it's your second flex spot, I think that's definitely viable. Um, but again, if you drafted really well, didn't have any busts, don't have any injuries yet, I would say it's more likely than not you probably don't have to go to Palmer this week. For the Kansas City wide receivers, uh, other than Juju, obviously, because remember we're starting Juju, Harmon and MVS are viable, but it's the exact same thing as last week. You got to know that they're boomer bust. So they're probably each going to get around five targets. You're just hoping that in one of those targets, they either take a screen pass or a deep shot to the house. I would lean towards not playing either of them, but if you have to and you need to capture a little bit of upside, I'm totally fine playing them. Then finally, we have the tight ends. Um, since obviously you're starting both quarterbacks, uh, you're playing Kelsey every week. Don't have to go over that. Everett is honestly a fine streaming option this week. So he was on the waiver wire table on the website. Uh, definitely someone that if you drafted tight end in, I don't know, double digit rounds, maybe double dipped late, missed on both. Like he's someone that you probably should have been going after this week. Uh, the Chargers are going to have to throw it a ton. And with Keenan Allen being out, that's going to help, you know, the target shares for everyone. I will note, you know, Keenan Allen had like 12% of targets, 11% of targets. So it's like, it wasn't like, oh, you know, Keenan Allen had a 40% target share. Now he's gone. Everyone rises. Like Keenan Allen got hurt 
relatively early in the game, at least before he had a massive target share. I believe he had six total targets. So it's not like everyone's going to grab two or three extra targets, right? There's not going to be that much extra to go around. But while Allen is out, I do think Everett is a solid play. This week, I've projected four and a half receptions, 45 yards. Doesn't seem like a lot, but given the strength of tight end position, that is the tight end nine and a half EPR scoring. So again, if you need someone, he's good there. I don't think he's going to be someone that in week like 17, 18, like really down the stretch, um, I guess that's probably a little bit far, but I'm saying like the fantasy playoffs, you know, when everyone is healthy, I don't think he's going to be consistently like the tight end nine, but for right now, I think that's where I would put him, especially in this game environment. On to the Sunday games. First up, kind of a gross one, but an easy one to go over. Panthers at Giants, four to three point total, two and a half point home favorite to the Giants. Start McCaffrey, start Saquon. We don't need to go over that anymore. Patriots at Steelers up next. This one has seen his total drop. I don't know why it was higher to start. Uh, seen his total drop to 40 and a half points. Patriots, one and a half point road favorites, which feels incorrect given how poorly they played in week one. For the Patriots, Ty Montgomery was placed on the IR, so he's not going to be playing this week. Uh, that's obviously a positive for Harris, for Stevenson. We'll see if they activate Pierre Strong. Maybe we get word on that throughout the week. Obviously, Strong would be a pass catching back that would hurt the upside just like Montgomery did. But I would expect Strong to have a, a lesser role in the offense than Montgomery. So I'm going into this with the, the assumption that Strong is activated, but he doesn't really play that much. Maybe just a little bit of passing down work. And that we basically see Stevenson and Harris split the drives 50-50 each operating as a featured running back in their respective drive. And for Stevenson to have slightly more value in the receiving game, just because if they get into a two-minute drill or they really need to hurry things up, he'll probably be the running back they lean on. So every other drive will alternate between the two. They will be a featured running back during that drive. It kind of depends their total production on how they do in each drive. But then Stevenson will have a little bit more value because that pass-catching role. I think this gives them virtually identical value as flex viable plays this week. It is not a fantastic matchup. They're not going to score a lot of points as a team, so there won't be a ton, or at least on average, there won't be a ton of goal line opportunities. And so I wouldn't feel fantastic about playing either of them as my running back two, especially given how poorly they played in week one, at least as like the team. Running backs didn't necessarily play awful, but it was just the team wasn't that good. Um, so I think both are likely to finish in that like running back 28 to 33 range. Going to depend on what you have if you're starting them or not. Steelers uh, comes down to Najee Harris. He said he's playing. I expect him to play. If that happens, you play him. You don't play anyone else. If he happens to be out, which again, we're not expecting, play Jalen Warren. Bucks at Saints up next. We've got uh, another one that needs no real analysis here. 44 point total. Uh, Bucks are two and a half point road favorites. You're starting Fournette. You're starting Alvin Kamara. You could play White. You could play Ingram in super deep formats, but it would need to be a 16-team league with multiple flex spots, and even then, you're probably keeping them on the bench. Next up, we've got an exciting matchup between the Jets and the Browns. So Joe Flacco versus Jacoby Brissett. 40.5-point total. Browns, 5.5-point home favorites. For the Jets, Carter acted as the lead running back in Week 1, but both running backs were used heavily in the receiving game carter had a 16 percent target share hall had a 17 and a half percent target share those are massive numbers for running back especially two running backs on an offense getting that much uh, and also you know the jets threw the ball 59 times so that doesn't account for like target share like the share is the share 
right? The 59 times is not going to happen again. But if they're going to maintain 16 and 17 and a half percent of a target share, that is still a lot of workload, even in a normal week for passing. It ranked 13th and 7th among running backs. Even if we expect the total plays to drop, if they can maintain that level of passing game involvement, these two are going to be pretty comparable to Stevenson and Harris as basically guys who you could throw them into the flex spot. I don't love them as running back twos. As of right now, I have them slightly ahead of Stevenson and Harris as running backs 28 and 30 for Carter and Hall respectively. But again, going to depend on your team. I do think Hall will eventually take over as the lead back, but I'm not expecting that to really happen until the midpoint of the season. For the Browns, relatively easy. Always start Chubb, especially as a home favorite in a game where they're probably going to score a lot of points. Hunt, always viable at running back two. I would say preferred in the flex, uh, but he's going to have around, you know, 13, 14, maybe 15 touches. Kind of depends on, you know, the game flow there. Uh, but, you know, 13, 14 touches, kind of good offensive line, good offense. Like, he's going to be a solid running back two. Dolphins at Ravens. Up next, 44 and a half point total, three and a half point home favorites for the Ravens. The Dolphins. Edmonds had 57% of the rush attempts on the offense and a 13% target share in week one. That ranks 21st and 21st among running backs, respectively. Mostert actually mixed in far less than I would have imagined. I thought he was going to play more, uh, at least getting more work on early downs. And Edmonds, you know, probably would have had a better game had they not ran only 59 total offensive plays. I feel good about Edmonds this week as a running back too. And honestly, he's the only running back I would trust in this game. I don't think you would really trust anyone else. As I said last week, um, you know, Baltimore, they want to be a run first offense, but they don't have Gus. They don't have Dobbins. And maybe Lamar doesn't want to run it as much, not getting that new contract. And so you've got Mike Davis, you've got Kenyon Drake, two players who the team's not going to get behind and you know, fully trusting in the offense, especially them joining the team late and not being all that talented to begin with. And so I don't think you're starting any, again, running backs on Baltimore. And this is a game that could be a lot more pass heavy than people are expecting. Uh, both teams were way higher than average in pass rate over expectation. Like I said, maybe the Ravens want to lean on Lamar in the passing game if he doesn't want to run it as much and they don't touch running backs. And then I think Miami was number one in pass rate over expectation in week one. So this could be a much more pass heavy game than people think. And that's going to lean towards, you know, being a Chase Edmonds game as well. So Chase Edmonds running back to no one else. Colts at Jaguars up next. This game has seen its total rise to 47 points. Colts, four point road favorites. For those Colts, Jonathan Taylor, stardom as always. Hines, he was used basically like we thought he would in the receiving game, but he had fewer carries than I expected, which kind of stinks. You know, because of that, you can't fully trust him even in like the flex. I would say in like a full PPR league, if he's going to get, you know, three, four catches, um, have a decent chance of scoring because the Jaguars defense isn't all that good. They should score a lot of points this week. You could play him. I would say in a standard league, no. In a half PPR league, you can probably do better. So probably just Jonathan Taylor for this one. For the Jaguars, Etienne, you know, he opened the game with a really strong role. Uh, he then dropped a pass. He kind of, I don't know, like, I felt like he ran a really good route in the one catch that he had going towards the goal line. 
and they just kind of like went down. It was a little bit weird, but he could have had multiple touchdowns in this game. Didn't have that many t- touches, but like he was used close to the end zone. But he had that horrible drop. He had the fumble. And so he opens with a good roll. Maybe they went a little bit more with Robinson after that kind of happened. Uh, but Robinson responded well. He had multiple touchdowns, 65% of the carries, only 5% of the targets. That's the problem with Robinson is he's not going to catch many passes. But he was used at the goal line, caught a goal line touchdown. It'll be interesting to see how this one develops. But we're in dangerous territory for these running backs. There's a world where they shift more of the early down work to Robinson, but don't throw to him. And ETN still has like a strong enough role in the red zone to where like they're both good plays, but neither are a must start and neither are like all that appealing, especially being on the Jaguars. So I want to see the usage in week two before determining their like rest of season value. But for this week, I think both of them are flex plays. Um, just like a tad, you know, more difficult to trust than we initially expected. I think my lean is Etienne, but I don't feel like super strongly about that given how well Robinson played in week one. But, you know, he's the more explosive player. He needs fewer touches to do better. He's going to use more in the passing game. And again, he could have had multiple touchdowns in that first game. So we'll see. I I really want to see what happens this week. Final one o'clock game. Commanders at Lions. 49-point total, Lions, two-and-a-half-point home favorites. Uh, For this game, we have two definite starts, Swift and Gibson. Just play them. Uh, Swift every week. Gibson, at least until Robinson returns, start him every week. Beyond that, you could play Jamal Williams. Maybe as like your second flex. Wouldn't really want him as running back two. He's been running back 38 right now. Uh, And I would prefer if he had a better option, but if you need him as that second flex spot or like your league with like three running backs, I think that's fine. Um... Anyone else in this game will get work, but won't be used enough to trust in fantasy. I really think it's Swift and Gibson. Start both. No one else. Four o'clock games. Kick off. Seahawks at 49ers. This one has a 42.5 point total. 49ers, 10 point home favorites. Though, they were 7 point road favorites last week, and they still lost. Elijah Mitchell uh, was on his way to a 100 yard game before getting hurt last week. And so the backfield will now likely be a split between Jeff Wilson, Jordan Mason, and maybe Tyrion Davis-Price kind of depends if they choose to activate him. I would personally not start any 49ers running back. Lance will run it plenty. Uh, Debo will effectively operate as their lead running back. And then none of the running backs will catch passes. So you're basically hoping one of them gets like 10 carries for 40 yards and happens to score a touchdown and get you six. So, you know, ceiling on these guys feels like 10 to 13 points. I suppose you could play that in the flex running back too if you are desperate. Uh, but again... You know, the most likely outcome for a lot of these running backs, no matter who gets the most carries, is like seven or eight points. I'm not really all in on that. I think they're just going to concentrate everything on Debo and Ayuk. And then hopefully Kittle plays and they can use him as well. For Seattle, uh, it depends on the final status of Ken Walker. But I think you're starting Penny regardless, though. If Walker plays and looks like he's going to get a roll, then Penny will be more of a flex play. If Walker's out, I think you're definitely starting Penny as running back too. Uh, both scenarios. I wouldn't start Walker even if he plays because it's his first week coming off injury. That would make no sense to do. Uh, and then Homer, you couldn't start him before, so you're not going to start him now. Next up, Falcons at Rams, 47.5 point total, 10.5 point home favorites for the Rams. Vegas expecting a big bounce back this week. For the Falcons, 
Damian Williams got hurt after two carries, so that opened the door for Patterson to see 25 touches. Obviously not something they want to happen every week. He will break down if he gets 25 touches every game. Uh, Williams expected back, though, this week. Uh, though, if that ends up not happening, they could just activate Algier. Algier was inactive for this game because they weren't expecting you know Damian Williams to get hurt after two plays. Uh, but, you know, whatever happens. If Williams is back, he'll take carries. If Williams is out, Algier will take carries. Um, at the Rams, brutal spot to play, especially after being, you know, embarrassed in week one. I, I think the Rams are going to come out very upset this week. They've had plenty of time to rest. They've had plenty of time to game plan. You got to think the Rams are going to look good this week. I think you're still playing, regardless of what happens with Williams, Patterson in the flex spot. But don't be surprised if Williams does come back, takes a chunk of the carries that like he was going to do, and then you see, oh, Atlanta also ran 71 offensive plays in week one. Baltimore had the most per game last season, and they didn't even hit that number on average. So Atlanta ran a ton of plays, and the lead back got hurt. That's why Patterson got a ton of touches. If you dial back the plays, make them less efficient at the Rams, and you bring back the running back one, obviously we're going to see fewer touches for Patterson. So he's not going to have nothing. I have him for 13 carries, three and a half receptions, so around 16, 17 touches but it's not going to be 25 again because they'll activate other running backs. For the Rams, Akers had three touches on 12 snaps. Henderson had 18 touches on 55 snaps. And Henderson had the highest snap share of any running back in week one. So in a home matchup against the Falcons, as a two-score favorite, you play him. Next up, Bengals at Cowboys. This game has a 43.5 point total. Bengals, 8.5 point Road favorites, obviously, because Dak is out. That wouldn't be the normal line if they had their quarterback. For the Bengals, Mixon ranked first in percent of team carries, and he had 27 rush attempts to go along with seven receptions, and I believe it was nine targets. Obviously, those totals are inflated by playing like a full overtime period, but again, he ranked first in percent of team carries with like 90% of the carries. That is one of the strongest workloads you're ever going to see for a running back. It makes him a easy running back one every matchup. My running back four this week. And if someone has that sort of role, you're not playing any of the backups. For the Cowboys, this is a tough spot. I know they're home, but they're big time underdogs against a quality defense. Uh, they're barely projected to score 17 points. I have them projected under two touchdowns. I think Zeke is viable as a flex play since they're probably going to try and lean on him without Dak. But I wouldn't feel great about using either of them. Right now I have Zeke as running back 28, Pollard as a running back 41. So it depends what you have, but if you have options and you don't need to play either, I probably wouldn't. Texans at Broncos is up next. This game has a 46 point total. Broncos 10 point home favorites after being embarrassed by Seattle in week one. For the Texans, Burkhead handled 54% of the team rush attempts, along with 22% of the targets. That is compared to 42% of the rush attempts for Damian Pierce, and only 3% of the targets. That's not going to continue. They've talked about getting Pierce the ball more. I think just every week, you're going to just shift a few touches, a few like just opportunities from Burkhead and give them to Pierce. I do not expect Pierce to go out there this week and like flip-flop and have the same number of touches that Rex Burkhead had. But, you know, it's, it's going to start changing. But given just a, a brutal matchup in Denver in a game where, you know, Denver got embarrassed, they're going to want to come out strong here. I would shy away from either Texans running back this week. Hopefully, 
Honestly, Pierce has a bad game and we can just trade for him in week three. For the Broncos, uh, the usage was a bit odd. Williams had only 37% of the carries, but a 30% target share, including 11 receptions. That is wild. He was getting dump off after dump off. That's not going to happen every single week. Probably not going to happen again. He has 11 receptions, but it shows his upside in weeks that they're trailing, especially in weeks that, you know, maybe they're trailing and can still score like 24, 27 points in some of these divisional games. Oh my goodness. The upside for Williams is crazy. I still do think Williams takes the lead on the ground and I have the projection for carries being 50% for Williams, 40% for Gordon, 10% for Wilson. Wilson didn't run as much this week, but I think he's going to a little bit on average. Given their you know more than three touchdown projection and the matchup, I think that makes Williams an easy top seven running back play. I think I have him fifth right now, but in that like five to seven range. And then Gordon, honestly, is flex viable given his likelihood of scoring a touchdown, getting a few carries, maybe some targets here and there. Like It's just a good spot for the running backs. I think you're playing both of them, but Williams is obviously the one you want. Final afternoon game, Cardinals at Raiders. This one should be really fun to watch. 51 half point total, Raiders five and a half point home favorites. Cardinals defense is atrocious. I know that, you know, Kansas City is Kansas City, but the Cardinals do not have a good defense. For the Cardinals, uh, Connor was effectively a featured running back before the game blew out. We got confirmation that Eno's the backup. Um, obviously, you can't start him, but that's really good to know. Connor's honestly going to be like a low end running back one until Rondell Moore and Hopkins are both back. The targets are just going to be there. They have no. I don't want to say they have no talent because they have Marquise Brown, but they have no like reliable talent behind him and like Ertz, I guess you could call Ertz a little bit of reliable talent, but they don't have a lot to throw to. And so Connor's going to have a massive target share. Then Rondell's going to come back. Then Hopkins is going to come back and that's going to really hurt his value. But for right now, for the next like month and a half, you're just starting James Connor every week. For the Raiders, this is a phenomenal spot, but an awful rotation. Like Jacobs is... The only one that you really want to be considering, obviously. And I do think you can play him as a running back too, just given how good of a matchup it is. But know that he's not going to be getting any targets in the system. And so if they keep not using White, well, then he'll be a running back too. But as soon as they give carries and touches to Zamir White, Jacobs almost becomes unplayable. So hopefully if you have Jacobs, you know, White keeps not getting touches, but as soon as you start seeing them mix them in, it's like almost over for Jacobs. But right now, I think you can play him as a running back too because the matchup is so good. Sunday night game, Bears at Packers, 42.5 point total, Packers 10 point home favorites. They're another team probably going to come out really strong this week. For the Bears, Montgomery was used as a lead back, but I don't trust that that's going to continue long into the future. Herbert looks like the better player, looks like the better running back, not through the air. I think Montgomery will always have those targets, but I think they're going to start shifting more work to Herbert on the ground. Uh, So especially in a brutal spot at Lambeau, I don't feel great about either running back. I would prefer to bench both of them. If you have to, though, you can play Montgomery as like a super low end two or maybe in the flex, but my preference would be to start neither of them. For the Packers, you're starting both running backs. Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, both are going to have really strong roles just when you combine like on the ground and through the air, but really strong roles through the air, uh, and both have extraordinarily high touchdown odds. Uh, I just don't see a world where you want to bench either of them, especially as 10-point home favorites. 
We've got not one, but two Monday Night Football games this week. First one, Titans at Bills kicks off at 7.15 Eastern, so a little bit earlier than usual. Has a 49.5 point total. Bills, 10 point home favorites. For the Titans, always start Derrick Henry. For the Bills, the carry split was 42% for Singletary, 32% for Moss, 21% for Allen, 5% for Cook. And in the passing game, Moss got six targets, Singletary got two, Cook got one. And even in a game where they scored 31 points, I believe it was, it was in the low 30s. Singletary ranks 38th among running backs and half PPR scoring. Moss ranks 51st. I didn't even look at Cook. He's probably in the negatives. He's like, you know, negative infinity for running backs. And again, Cook had a bad game. Obviously not great fumbling on your first snap. Not fantastic. But he's going to be used at some point. They invested a lot in him. He's still a talented back. He's going to be used at least in the receiving game. When that happens, it is very dangerous that like none of these running backs are going to be viable. Like if right now when they went off and Cook wasn't even playing, you couldn't even really use Singletary or Moss in that game. Now, if slowly each week Cook starts getting more work, like it's, it's over. I mean, you just can't trust any of them. I think you can, given that they're really big home favorites, they have touchdown upside. I think you can start Singletary or Moss in the flex and just hope that they continue not using James Cook, but it's not going to feel good. Final game of the week, the second Monday night game, Vikings at Eagles, 8.30 Eastern kickoff, so a normal kickoff there. Uh, Right now, 51-point total, Eagles two-point home favorites. The Vikings always start Dalvin Cook, can't start Madison, he's more of a handcuff. For the Eagles, I think that, you know, this is a good enough spot where Miles Sanders can be trusted as a running back too. They have a fantastic offensive line. Eagles are home favorites. They have the sixth highest projected team total of the week. Like, it's just a good spot for the Eagles. I don't think that I would start any other Eagles running back, though. Like, Gainwell's the only one you can consider, and he'll have a role. He'll have receptions, have touchdown upside. But, you know, in a game, in a normal game script, I think last week was a little bit weird where the Eagles got so far ahead, and then they kind of shifted to some other running backs, and then you know, Lions started coming back. It was just like a little bit of a weird game. I think in a game that's going to be much, much closer throughout, at least it's going to be likely that happens. I think a little bit more work goes to Miles Sanders. And I just don't think the role for Scott or Gamal is strong enough to where you're playing them any format. But I would really trust Miles Sanders and running back too. So there's a breakdown of every single game this week, at least as far as the running backs are concerned. I'll do the same for wide receivers tomorrow. So make sure you're subscribed so you can see that. And if you want to see my exact rankings for all scoring formats, all position adjusted for late week news because that is going to happen every single week. It's on my website, thefensefootballadvice.com. Again, I'll be back tomorrow to go over wide receivers. Saturday, one of my favorite plays of the week. But then, my friends, is the end of this one. Hope you all enjoyed. If you did, how about hitting the like button and how about subscribing to the channel if you're new here? Thanks for watching.